0: lead well welcome to the lead well podcast
1: where we're growing the whole leader sharpening leadership skills while strengthening the heart and leadership let's lead well
0: Hello and welcome to the Lead Well Podcast. This is your host, Javon Legans, and I'm excited to be with you here today. Thank you again so much for listening to the Lead Well Podcast and supporting the Lead Well Podcast. Once again, I have Pastor Todd with us, and we're going to continue this conversation that is actually leading us into the summer. We're going to continue this conversation on discipleship. So in the previous times that Pastor Todd was with us, we talked about discipleship, what it is, what it isn't. We talked about what keeps us from discipleship. And Most recently, we talked about the process of discipleship, uh, how we're refined through it, what the value is for us, how we can rejoice in the process and trust in the process. And in that, one of the really cool things that Pastor Todd mentioned was just that whole concept of getting the word inside of us, replacing the impurities that God is looking to draw out with the word. So I would love, Pastor Todd, if you could talk a little bit about that. But even before talking about what that process looks like, maybe why is that important? Like, what is the value inside of us? Like, what's the value of replacing those impurities with the word?
1: Yeah, I'm excited. And thank you again for letting me be here and be a part of this podcast. It's been a lot of fun. And again, I want to remind us how Jesus defined discipleship. You know, he talked about two houses and he said this, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. That word practice is a big deal. It says, if you put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. When the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. It did not fall. It had its foundation on the rock. When you practice putting the word of God in you, you are literally becoming a man or a woman who's standing on the rock. When you don't, it says, when you don't put these into practice, you're like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So Jesus is talking about discipleship. He's talking about two houses and we get to choose whether we're gonna practice or not. When I was in school, I played sports and I played baseball and football. And I'm telling you the hardest days was the practice days. I love game days. Game days are fun because you get to score, you get to play and the crowds there, and everyone's cheering for you. But practice is when, man, you are dying. I can't remember practicing so hard. That even threw up one time. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, it's hard work to practice, and really, the process of discipleship is hard work. And today, we're going to get to talk about that.
0: Oh, that's going to be good. So, we're talking about that hard work, and you know, I've heard you share a little bit about what this looks like inside of us. You know, so we've heard it here taught several times that man is three parts: spirit, soul, and body, and all of those parts come into play when we're talking about this process and the hard work of discipleship. So, I'd love for you to talk a. Little little bit more about that because I've heard you share that with me and with our team. And it's something that was a great takeaway for me. So I'd love for you to share that for our leaders listening.
1: Yeah, I want to go back and just remind everyone who needs discipleship is all of us. We all have problems. We all have issues. We all have circumstances in our lives. Last week, we talked about being tested by fire, being tested like silver and the impurities coming up. Romans 12, one through two kind of starts this process off. And so knowing that we all go through trials and temptations, what do we do when we go through those trials and temptations? And how do we process that? And how do we receive God's word? And Romans says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. So everything you're doing by giving your body to God is a living and holy sacrifice. It says that's the kind he finds acceptable, the true way to worship him. And then it makes this comment. This has been probably preached wrong more than anything else, but it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And it says this, and I wanna wanna go back to this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Like, what does that mean? And to understand that, you really got to understand we really are three parts. Like you talked about, body, soul, and spirit. We all have three parts. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And the reality is before you were saved, your spirit was dead. The Bible says that your spirit came to life when you got saved, but it was dead. When Adam and Eve fell, they said if they would eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would die. They didn't literally die at that moment, but what did die was their spirit. And so their connection between them and God. And God never connects with you, with your body, and he never connects with you, with your soul. He only connects with you in your spirit. And so until your spirit comes alive, you have no relationship with God. So the moment you get saved, your spirit comes to life. And now there's a choice I have to make every single day. Will I conform to the old patterns of the world or will I conform to God's new patterns? And so Ephesians tells us what the old patterns are. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature by our very nature we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else so what he's saying was the pattern of the world was when we listened to what the enemy was telling us when our circumstances rose up and we declared ourselves bad or we did something wrong and we declared ourselves bad and God's going no I don't want you to go after those patterns anymore I want you now instead of listening to what the world's telling you and doing what your body's telling you to do with your feelings your emotions I want you to now to stand on the word of God and trust my word to replace those feelings and emotions. So there's really an exchange here. So now that we come to life, now that we're saved, our spirit comes to life, and now we have a choice. Are we going to listen to our body? Are we going to listen to our spirit? So you think about every one of us you've had to deal with this even today maybe like we talked about last week driving in traffic are you gonna let your emotions get to you are you going to trust God I can remember in times in traffic where I was frustrated I'm like god I give you this I'm frustrated I don't know what to do and I felt like he said if you'll walk in peace I'll get you there in time and it was crazy because I should not have been able to get there on time and somehow some way he made a way where there was no way we've heard that song before he made a way where there was no way and I got to where I needed to go there were other times where I prayed that and I didn't get there on time, but the other people were late. And it was like, God set it up. If I would just walk in peace and I wouldn't let traffic determine my feelings, my emotions of that day, I can say the same thing with my wife. I can say the same thing with my kids. There's been circumstances that I've had that I've let my feelings get to me, and I didn't trust God. And so God wants to teach us how to trust him. So
0: speaking of teaching us how to trust, I want you to teach us how to equip ourselves to walk in peace. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that look like? Because as I'm hearing these examples, you're sharing examples of, look, I'm in traffic and the person cuts me off or it's backed up. And they're in the moment. You know, I can't necessarily break out the devotion or whatever the case. Is. So how do I teach? How do right. I store up what I need right. to be able to walk in peace in the middle of those situations? Yeah. So that So that. Is what
1: naturally comes out. Amen. Well, Colossians 3 talks about it, and so does 2 Peter. Colossians 3 just talks about putting to death the deeds of your flesh and clothing yourself with God's righteousness. So it talks about a two-part process that we have. We've got to say no to our flesh, and then we got to clothe ourselves with righteousness. If we just say no to our flesh, but we don't clothe ourselves, then we don't fill in that spot where it left. But Jesus actually taught his disciples how to do this. Now, if you remember, when Jesus was tempted three times, he did not freak out, but every time he was tempted, he would use the Word of God to overcome his temptation. So he taught us a lesson there. But literally, Peter, who was one of Jesus' top disciples, he was the guy that said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Peter was the guy who started the church in Acts. He was the one that preached at the day of Pentecost. Peter was a big deal. Peter actually teaches us how to do this in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 10. I'm just gonna read this to you. It's kind of long, but I think we'll just kind of break it up and I'll show you the actual practical way he taught us how to do this. So it starts off by saying this. By his divine power, God's given us everything we need to live a godly life. He said, We received all this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. I'm gonna stop right there. First thing he says is this, I've given you everything you need to live a godly life. The moment you got saved, you got everything you need. Now, just because you had what you need doesn't mean you know how to use what you've got. So it'd be like going to a mechanic school and they give you a big toolbox and it's got every tool you have to fix a car. But just because you have the tools doesn't mean you know how to fix the car. You gotta now know how to apply those tools to that actual problem that you have. So the tools that God gives us Are his promises. So it says, He has given us great and precious promises. Now, this is a key. It says, These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So, what helps us get out of our human desires? Remember, I told you that when we're in circumstances, our feelings come up, our human desires come up, our body starts to tell us how we should act, how we should treat people, what we should say. Our human desires are coming up. The only way to not give in to those human desires is through the promises of God. And then it says this in verse five, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Now, how do we make an effort to respond to God's promises? Well, first of all, we gotta know what promises are promises really are anything in his word that are a truth and a commandment. Any truth you see about God, any commandment you see about God, here's a truth. God will never leave you or forsake you. So he's never going to leave you or forsake you. That's a promise. Now, I don't have to pray, God, will you please be with me today? Because he says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. But what he would say is, thank me. God, I thank you that you are with me today, that I know you're with me, that I can stand on your promises. Today, I know I can stand. That's the way we respond. So. How to respond to God's promises? There's only really one way to respond to God's promises. is through prayer. If you don't know how to pray, you'll never be able to respond to God's promises. And how do you pray? You just ask God or you thank him. So if there's a commandment, for instance, let's say my brother hurts my feelings. Someone in church hurts my feelings and I'm upset with them and I'm angry and I feel this. I see the commandment of God. He says, forgive your brother as I forgave you. Man, that's a huge commandment. I can't do that. I'm so angry. I don't want to do it. My worldly desires, my human desires are rising up. I don't want to forgive that guy. And the only way I can do it is I got to get the promises of God inside me. So God, will you help me? God, I'm asking you to help me to forgive my brother because I can't forgive him right now. And as you ask God, he communes with your spirit, your spirit and his spirit connect one to another. And he literally places that word inside you like a seed that's not going to start producing the fruit that he wants to have. And Isaiah 55 says, when he sends out his word, it never returns. Turns to him, void. It always accomplishes what he desires. So then, now that we've made an effort to respond to God's promises, this is what it says it will do for you. It will supplement your faith with the generous provision, and it's going to give us a long list. Now, I'm going to read this list to you, but let me tell you why this list exists. Because Christians fail in all these areas. As Christians, we fail in all these areas and we need help in all these areas. And a supplement, it says it will supplement your faith. A supplement is like a protein additive. So if you work out, if you've ever worked out, you know you take protein to accelerate your growth. So I worked out this morning, if I took my protein, it's gonna accelerate my growth and my muscles. So if you wanna accelerate your Christian faith, if you wanna get discipled quicker, if you wanna get closer to God faster, the way to do that is to respond to God's promises and to literally receive them. So here's what it says it does. It supplements your faith, With a generous provision of moral excellence, moral excellence knowledge, knowledge with self control, self control, patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now, as a Christian, I've struggled with all those things. I've struggled with self control as a Christian. I've struggled with moral excellence, making moral decisions. I've struggled with not understanding things, not having knowledge. I've struggled with patient endurance. We've talked about traffic a lot. I've struggled with godliness. I've struggled with brotherly affection. I've struggled that with my wife, with my kids at work. I've struggled that as a Christian. So if I'm struggling with those, God says I don't have to struggle with those anymore. I can literally replace those with the word of God so that the things that used to get me don't get me. How do I know I'm a disciple in an area? That is a great question. How do I know if I'm a disciple? I'll tell you how you know. When you have the same circumstance come up again and you don't get upset or panic or fear or get frustrated and you just go, I can trust God in this area, then you know you've arrived in that area. But there's always another thing that we're going to be dealing with. And then watch this. This is really cool to me. It says this. says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you do these things that we just talked about, if you will grow like this, it says, if you'll grow like this, you'll be more productive and useful in your relationship with Jesus. But it says, those who fail to develop this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their old sins. I've met a lot of people who were Christians that forgot they were Christians because they weren't putting the word of God in to their circumstances, they were letting the circumstances control them. And when your circumstances control you, you forget you were even saved. That's crazy. But now this is my favorite part. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. It says, do these things and you will never fall away. The Bible does not exaggerate. God's not trying to make a point. And so he says, never follow away. You'll never follow it." He's saying, if you will replace your hard circumstances, where your emotions are getting to you, where your human desires are taking over, where you're struggling in an area of sin, where you know your heart's weak, where you know you've been weak in this area. If you will ask me, I will put my word inside you. I will literally put my word inside you and I will help you now overcome that area of your life and you won't fall away. I want to be a man who never falls away. And I can tell you the only way that's going to happen is if I practice putting God's word into my heart. I got to practice. I got to practice.
0: So as we're talking about practicing, putting the word in your heart, I find that to be so powerful, which is, you know, I'm so grateful that we're talking about that because there's practical tools and resources that we have to do that. And one of the things that we've talked about around here has been the soap method. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how we can use the soap method to practically get the word inside of us. Mm-hmm. So that way, as these situations rise up, what's inside of you mm-hmm. is what's going to come out whenever you face that temptation, whenever you face that circumstance, and applying the SOAP method gives us a practical way to be able to do that. So if you don't mind, Pastor Todd, can you just give us a breakdown of what that SOAP method is for those who haven't heard about it or Mm -hmm. maybe have heard about it in passing? I'd love for us to talk a little bit more about that tool, that resource we have to equip ourselves with the Word.
1: Yeah, I do this a lot with guys. I have a small group that I do this with. SOAP is just an acronym. It means Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. I like the word SOAP because the Bible says the Word cleanses us when we read the Word over our wives, especially but it says we cleanse ourselves. So soap, scripture, observation, application, prayer. And so what we do, and this is the drill. Like if I was to have you practice in in a baseball drill, I would hit you ground balls. I'd hit you fly balls. We do the same thing over and over and over again until it becomes a habit. So I want to train our people in what does it mean to have a habitually apply God's word when we're going through circumstances. So what we do is we take a book of the Bible. We can take any book. It doesn't really matter. A lot of times I start in the New Testament because they have a lot more truths and commandments in there and promises are easier to find. But what we do is we, literally read the Bible together. So I'm in a group of four guys. I read the first couple verses. The next guy reads the next couple verses and so on and so forth. And I want to just keep doing that until we've read the whole entire chapter. And then I ask the guys, hey, underline any truth or commandment you see in there. Anything that the Holy Spirit just stuck out to you, just underline it. And then once we underline it, so we scripture, observation, we're observing what we did, and then we want to apply it. So now I want you to look at your heart and I want you to ask yourself, is there something you're going through right now, circumstance in your life personally that you're dealing with, that you're flesh, is trying to take control, that your flesh is trying to get you. Maybe it's a lustful experience. Maybe you had a temptation with money. Maybe you had temptation with your wife. Maybe you had a struggle with something in your marriage or something with your kids, or maybe you're dealing with a bill that you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay for. Whatever the circumstance is, think about that. And then I want you to share with one another, because here's what's powerful about this. The Bible says, when I share my sins to my brother, I get healed. So when I'm sharing my circumstances with you, I'm literally allowing that thing to manifest. And so now, now what I want to do is the last piece is the P is prayer. And so now at this point, I want to pray that scripture that God gave me, that promise over that circumstance. And when I do, I'm literally eating the word of God. Psalms 119, 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we're literally eating. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So when we pray that scripture, we're activating that scripture, that promise into our hearts. And now supernaturally, the active word of God the cuts between our soul and our spirit is doing something miraculous in our hearts and it's changing us. And so in our small groups right now, we're literally practicing that as a group. But what it's done for me is it's helped me when I'm out in the world by myself to do the same drill when I'm out there, because that's when the real games are being played.
0: Yeah. So this was brought to our teams as this was brought to our church. This is one of the things that I've added to my walk. And honestly, I lead my small group with this Mm -hmm. and I've seen the transformation, not only in myself, but in the group of guys that I meet with every Thursday morning at seven o'clock, we're doing this and we're going through the new Testament and we're going through certain books in the old Testament, applying this. And then uh, much like what you're saying, observing what's happening inside of our hearts and then applying this to the situations that are going in our lives and then praying that over ourselves like and we're seeing the real fruit of that and seeing how God is transforming us and how he's transforming situations that we're dealing with. So the challenge that I have for everyone who's listening to this because I don't think you can listen to this and not issue a challenge or accept a challenge. And that is practice. So take this tool, listen to this podcast, take this tool and apply it to your life. And I believe and I can assure you just from my own testimony, this is going to be something that you'll see God's transformation in your walk and how you approach situations and how you approach relationships and how the word can get deep inside of you and what's deep inside of you is going to be the thing that comes up. So practice this in your own life, practice this in your small groups and the places where you lead. If you have the opportunity to do this at work, I know this can be something that can be a transformational thing for us as we lead. So again, thank you, Pastor Todd. Thank you so much, leaders who are listening to this. I would encourage you to take this content, listen to it, reflect on it, share it, subscribe to the Lead Well podcast on whatever platform that you listen on, share it with those who you think may benefit from it. And again, you can find additional resources that go along with this podcast on leadwellpeople.com. Again, that is leadwellpeople.com. We thank you so much for being with us. And as always here at Lead Well, this is a place where we sharpen our skills as we strengthen our hearts. So until next time, let's lead well.